This episode of Dirty Rotten Church Kids is brought to you by Eternal Confidence, the YouTube series that's been made by Homesick Productions. And all of their videos are great, um, but the one I'm vibing with the most right now is titled Are Other People Unenlightened? Um, it had me really challenge my own biases in conversations that I have and try to see things from other people's perspective, not kind of throw them under the bus because they initially don't agree with exactly what I'm thinking. Um, but if you want some thought-provoking content, to chew on, to mull over for a while, check out their YouTube channel and uh, hop down to the comments and let them know that the Dirty Rotten Church Kids sent you. Hey everybody, it is Adrian. This is Josh. And if you're listening to this, you already know you got yourself another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids Podcast. As our buddy Nick Sean says, D-R-C-K with a hard R. Okay, that's enough of that. Hard <laughs> R. <laughs> How you doing, dude? I'm doing pretty good. Happy um, Tuesday. Yeah, we're in February. We're recording this February, a couple days before Valentine's Day. Yeah. Are you, um? you know what? This episode won't play until... After Valentine's yeah. Day. Mm-hmm. So how about you like give us like a sneak peek? And the deets? Have, yeah, we got anything planned. So Valentine's Day happens to be four days before our actual anniversary. Okay. So kind of doubling up. I'm going to say, are you an asshole? Do you? Uh, no, no, no. I, we got some, split I got, it up. I got some gifts. Good job. Some cute gifts. I got her a like, nice Teddy Fresh hoodie. Oh, nice. Um, And then I got her because we ran out of Samoa cookies from uh, the Girl Scouts but I found on Amazon they sold them. So I bought two huge boxes of them. So they're just for oh, her. She yeah. doesn't know that. But then, of course, she doesn't know it. It's a surprise. That's stupid. But then for our anniversary, I got us um, massages at the Biltmore Hotel in Miami, um, which wasn't cheap, but it's going to be fun. Dude, I have yet to go to the Biltmore. It's I know stupid. that's like one of like your special pl- like treat yourself places. Yeah, there's not too many times that I dip into my white side. <laughs> that is definitely one of them. <laughs> I, I saw Jeb there's Bush there. a lot of white people energy yes. at the Biltmore. Jeb Bush was eating lunch there, and I Shut sat across up. from him. So I was there with him eating lunch together. Yeah. Um, but and yeah, Jeb so Bush is the epitome of, of white people energy. Sure. You know? There's a lot of people I can think of. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, and then the in-laws are taking our kids all day Saturday, or from like noon till Sunday. So That's that'll great. be nice. What yeah, good. It'll be nice. Wow. Well, well. What's your Valentine's thing? Well, but, well, but, now but yours I'm isn't em- your anniversary, em- so. In the words of John Mulaney, well, now I'm embarrassed yeah. to say. Go ahead. Uh, you know, we don't have anything really planned. <laughs> but did you plan not to have anything? <clears throat> well, you know what it is? We knew that we were going to have both kids with us. Yeah. Because it's Friday night. Not that it was yeah, Friday yeah night. you're right. And so we plan on having them all with us, and then we plan on um, just doing like a, like a family sort of dinner. Um, what I will say that I do every year, and I've done this every year since Alyssa and I started dating, uh, and we've been dating, or we've started dating, we first met about 10 years mm-hmm. ago. Um, I make her like a mixtape. Oh, that's awesome. Every year. And I like Valentine's Day comes and goes. And then like March 1st, I'm already like looking for music. Yeah. And so I just have like a running note on my phone. And anytime like we'll watch a show or you'll hear like a commercial, I'll just like jot it down on my phone. Yeah. You get anything for your kids? For Valentine's Day? Yeah. Dinner. My bed. Shelter, (laughs) a house, (laughs) love sometimes. Well, (laughs) not really. Um, not really. My dad always did that to me. So I got like Noah some, uh, 
peanut butter M&Ms. That's cute. And a when, Spider-Man card and Emma, like a little necklace or whatever. When Alyssa and I were dating, her parents would get us like a huge thing of Cinnabon. For That's, Valentine's Day? Yeah. Like, can a, you sign me up for that list? I was going to say. That's awesome. What a great, I know, right? Maybe I should like incorporate that, like carry that tradition on. Get some Cinnabon action. Just how about you all give me a Cinnabon for Valentine's Day? <laughs> That's the tradition. Is guys every year Adrian gets Cinnabon. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, so I mean that's that's what's going on coming up, but what's going on right now is this episode. This episode, the last one we had with Danny Brunges. Um, I still keep thinking about that beer. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, just. I think we've, I myself personally, have been so much into the decluttering or deconstruction of um, whatever I'm holding on to that it's interesting to see someone who kind of didn't come from like he wasn't inundated in the church for the long for the long time like we were, um, but to see someone who is like now making things beautiful. Yep. And I'm like, maybe I'll get back into church. Maybe what he's done, but he's doing it now. And that right. um, Providencia Church, yes, it sounds so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I um, <laughs> it's always cool to speak to people who are more intelligent than you. Mm-hmm. And Danny is clearly uh, more intelligent than yes. me. And um, he's just so well read and and he's so articulate. And he did such a great job. If you guys haven't listened to it, definitely do so. I know a lot of people who did listen to it really, really enjoyed it. It was a, just a fucking good time. It was I, good. I, yeah, it was good. It was I'm a far really drive, but it was yeah. great. Yep. So listen. Um, <clears throat> I want to kick off the episode, yes, if I may. Um, so what I did is I posted on social media for people. I, I mentioned, hey, we are recording an episode tonight. What do you want to know? Do you have any questions? And I figured we would grab one of the questions and I'd present it to you and we can kind of chat through it. Let's go through it. So this question is from a friend of ours on Instagram. It is ARPrice76. Hi, ARPrice76. Hello. She said... What, if any, part of your evangelical past life do you still have a hard time letting go of? I take this two ways. I take this um, one way of looking at it is what has so impacted you that even though you're out of it, you still can't quite shake it, maybe Mm -hmm. in a negative connotation. Or you could also look at it as like on the other side of the evangelical lifestyle and culture what do you kind of have a hard time letting go of because it has like a soft spot in your, oh, okay. in your heart? It's a good question. It is a good question. I can go first if you want. Well, I, I don't think I've thought about it as in something I can't let go of, but more like, I guess, what triggers me to use a word that's been used in the zeitgeist. Mm. Mm. Good word. <laughs> um, but... It's 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 what Kent Dobson talks about that loyal soldier thing. It's not like one thing. I think it's just this, like so many Bible verses I memorized in school for grades for some reason, or songs that I sang and didn't really pay attention to the words, but they kind of molded me and, and like gave me things to think about. Whenever I see something, I don't know. It's 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 that loyal soldier that he talks about. It's that well, you really shouldn't be kind of questioning that. I mean, the virgin birth is kind of quintessential to everything that you believe. Like, well, I don't, 
Like you're right. I should like wait. Wait. Right. I don't even believe that. It's it's it's, it's kind of that that little that little pinprick. Hey, you shouldn't you shouldn't mm. do that. I mean, how do you think so and so would feel like so? And, I don't even talk to so and so anymore. Christian conscience. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like Jiminy Cricket, but yep. he's but he's he's a white and wears yeah, pleated, only khakis. Pleated khakis. Yes. Yeah, say. we were right there. Yep, yeah, right there. How would you answer it? Maybe your answer will help me do, help me have a more defined answer. Sure, sure. I think um, so. I want to answer it on both of those fronts. So if I if I'm thinking about what is something that I have trouble letting go of because I appreciate it a lot. I think one thing I valued from my evangelical background was like how much people cared about my family. Hmm. Um, okay. At least they acted like they did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, and I believe that they did. Um, is like, it's, it was great going someplace where like everyone, everybody knows group, your <laughs> name. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But they would come up there like, They'd pick up Wilder, they'd pick up Scout, and then mm-hmm. there would kind of be this sort of built-in uh, conversation that you have. And sure, you get used to answering the same questions. Yeah. No, I'm not sleeping. Kids are doing great. Yeah. But there, there, I do kind of miss that sort of like, here are people in a similar life stage who um, are aligned with me on certain perspectives, and therefore, we're on the same team. Um, and so that was a, a pleasant side that I would say I have a hard time letting go mm-hmm. of. Um, I, I thought of it because we were at the park this weekend and there was a birthday party and I know it was a birthday party of Christian folk because, um, all of the cars leading up to the park mm-hmm. all had this yes. one particular church, Sticker, yeah. um, all the way up there. And like, they were just all really warm. And mm-hmm. there was something like, there's something, a part of me that was like, I kind of miss that. Yeah. Going to like a place with a bunch of other people that, you know, from that community. Um, if I think about the other side of it, I think, so I worked on, on staff at a church. We both did. Mm-hmm. And I still find myself worrying about how my social media presence potentially offends people that follow me. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's funny. I have a podcast called yeah. the dirty rotten church kids. Yeah. And I still am afraid to post certain things. Mm-hmm. I still don't say certain things. Like I am not my truest candid self mm-hmm. because I'm like, well, these people, uh, they know me from like my Baptist church, yeah. day, you know? And it's like this sort of like, you just don't want to offend. You don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You'd, And I'm naturally that way. Yeah. But I think my evangelicalism just made, hopped that up. Yeah, on exactly. Roids. Made even more prominent. Yeah. And now it almost feels selfish to intentionally do something if I, because I know for a fact that I could very easily offend a, mm-hmm. a slew of folks that yeah. follow me on social media and it almost feels selfish. And to your point, I think the sort of like the loyal soldier yeah. says, well, it's really selfish for you to just, to, you getting your rocks off by pissing yeah. off the religious people. Yeah. And obviously I don't want necessarily to do that either. I, I think my thing that the, the good thing that I, that I do miss is that um, just the coming together for like, in a room together to whatever it happens to be worship at a church but that coming together like hey we're all going to set aside a time for this on a sunday morning and we're going to get together we're going to talk about things we're going to do things I, I miss that yeah um for as much as it almost killed me i do miss the um tradition of that um i think something that's really hard to put away is if i get like voluntold to go to a church service with the family it's really hard for me to shut off my like church brain and say, Hey, that's wrong. Or you should do this better. I know how to fix that. And there's like automatic guilt. Hey, maybe if you volunteered, they could fix it. I'm like, no, I can't do that. Yeah. And then when the pastor gets up to preach, I'm like, Oh no, God, no, that's, 
it's it's I know what he's going to say because I've heard this before. Yeah. And and it's kind of like my current self is sitting there. I'm like, I don't believe anything you're saying. If this uh, the one sermon um, recently, the pastor was talking about how you just need to pray about things. You need to get in your small groups and write things down and pass them around and pray for them. Because if you want to get rid of cancer, if you want to get rid of sickness, you just want that health. The pastors in South Florida feel a revival coming. And if you pray enough, we pray enough. I'm like, I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, that took me back to when I was playing sports, right? I played, I went to like a, a Christian school for forever. So everything was about Jesus. So even football, uh, which it still is mostly for most people. Um, yeah. But like America. Yeah. You pray. I get on my knees on my pads that were too big for me. And like, dear Lord Jesus, help us win this game. And right. then we lose. Right. And you're like, I mean, the other team was praying too. Of course. So who prayed harder? Cause I don't suck. I'm a great <laughs> football player. As you can Still? tell by my, my body, yeah. I'm, I'm built for football. No, but it's it's kind of like that thing that I felt like I was a kid. I'm like, wait, I prayed and we still lost. I thought God was like an ATM machine. So right. it's it's kind of like I've heard this message before. I've seen the card you're hiding on your on, like next to your 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 yep. chest. I know what you're hiding. I've seen this movie, and I it, this doesn't this isn't helping anyone. I don't know. It's kind of yeah interesting. Like I was thinking about. Um, if I could attend a church and have that analytical side of my brain just wiped, or if I could listen to a song and have my musician mind wiped. Right. But yeah. You feel, you filter it through your context and your experiences. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and it's always kind of like, well, I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, well, that I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Right? Yeah. yeah. But I, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I mean, it's a super good question. You think. Yeah. I think that if I, I wish I could go to a church and, um, on one side, not have a hypercritical perspective mm-hmm. going, well, that's shitty. Yeah. Oh, this is shitty. Oh, look at this. This is whack. And I also wish I didn't have a guilty conscience. If I like, if I don't like a place, I err on the side of being hypercritical. If I appreciate the people or what they're doing, then I err on the side of like a guilty, like you said, like, like, ah, maybe I should offer to help. Yep. Maybe I, ah, you know, you know, I can't hide it under a bushel basket. It's like gonna let it shine. It's like an addiction, dude. I'm like, oh, so pastor, <laughs> uh, you got any uh, any keyboard opens? I know. Like, I like you gotta yeah. stop. It's yeah. it's it's that you've been doing it for twenty years. Like, well, I just gotta go volunteer. It's what God called me to do. I don't know, right? And and it's not to obviously like volunteering in places of worship is not inherently a bad thing. No, but I think for someone like me, and probably for you, who <laughs> like it was not good for your mental health no. or your psyche. I don't do things half-ass. It's like right. either I ignore it or I just do it too much. Do it till I die. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. That's a really good question. That's Thank you. Question. What Thank was the you. person who sent it to us? A.R. Price 7-6. A.R. Price. Yeah. Good question. Like yeah, that. thank you so much for that question. I figured this was a perfect question because I think it segues seamlessly into something that we have been talking about. No. We- no. <laughs> wow. No. Do you know what improv, <laughs> improv is, sir? No, but. <laughs> Not yes, yeah, no, but. Because you and I haven't talked about it at length, but we texted about it, and you and I came to this purity culture thing differently. I'm reading a book. You send a document. like So I jokingly said, and he said, I really believe it. Like, oh, I, I guess I shouldn't laugh about it, but I think the universe has like brought us to this topic of like purity culture. Yeah. So no to, we talked about it at length. No, I think we just 
it was brought to us right um by various sources wow yeah you know i'm I'm gonna forgive your uh improv faux pas that's that's rule number one dude yeah i'm sorry no i i don't i totally agree yeah i think we we both it's crazy we both had um in the very beginning i say the very beginning at the end of last year i had posted something on social media and i said hey as we start to line up our kind of strategy and what we want to talk about in 2020 Mm -hmm. what are some things you would like to hear us talk about i posted that on instagram we mentioned on twitter and an overwhelming number of people completely on their own just mm-hmm. kept saying, talk about purity culture, talk about culture of purity in the church, talk about sexual purity, talk about the culture of sexual repression, talk about um, the way the evangelical church dictates your perspective on your body and your perspective on sexuality. It was just like over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And I was like, we're going to need to get onto that. But it was just one of those things where it'll, I figured the topic will arise on its own. And then I found a documentary. Yeah. Uh, I found it on Amazon Prime Video. Yes. And this is a documentary, and I told you about it. It's also on YouTube, by the way, folks. Mm-hmm. And this is a documentary called I Survived, I Kissed, Dating, Goodbye. And it was funny. You sent me the screenshot. And I had never read the book. Oh, okay. Much like every other book everyone got into, we had to do multiple multiple studies on. Like, yeah, I read it. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. Right. Um, and you did the curriculum around it probably. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I knew of the book. First of all, I didn't know there was anything called, like titled purity culture until we got those responses. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I never sh- like shone, shined, shined my light in that corner. Sure. Like I, that's something completely new that I didn't know how to that name. But when you send me that documentary, I'm like, oh, poop. Yeah. Um, because I had lived through that culture. I had the true love weights ring that I lost at a camp, not lost. Cause you lost your purity not, ring. Not at lost because I went freaky in the woods. It's because I actually lost it in the boy's bathroom in the locker, which is even weirder. This right? is definitely, I told my dad, that are you goes, sure you are not deeply repressing some sort of sexual no. experience? Okay, <laughs> no, <great. laughs> no, no, but yeah, I had the true love weights ring. So did my sister. Um, like we were bought into that whole quote-unquote purity culture so for those of you who are not familiar um purity culture wasn't kicked off by i kiss dating goodbye but i think that book first of all had the catchiest title Mm -hmm. and it became kind of the spearhead the book it's like if the purity culture had a poster yes the cover of i kiss dating goodbye was that fucking poster because um who's the joshua harris so he was on all the talk shows i mean because I, i think you nailed it that that title is very catchy. Super catchy. Um, so he was on all the daytime talk shows. Yeah. Um, and he really had a platform from someone who just wrote a book. All of a sudden, he's offered this huge platform and is speaking and, and pastoring. And it just kind of really is right place, right time. Yeah. Just took off. Right. And I, and I think um, the de- documentary is definitely worth, worth seeing. And we'll unpack it at length. And I hope you guys all get a chance to watch it because it's on YouTube. It's not it's too on- long either. No, it's not that long. And... But one thing I think is is interesting and I respect is that he's coming back to this book mm-hmm. like 20 years later. Yeah, I think so. Like 20 years later and going like, I want to know what did my book, what implications did my book have on like the the evangelical, the American evangelical, mm-hmm. primarily the white American evangelical church as a whole two decades later. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was incredibly interesting. So I figured what we could do is we could talk a little bit about the documentary itself. Then we could talk a little bit about the purity culture kind of as a movement and as a thing. What do you think? 
That sounds good. Let's talk. Come on. Let's talk about relations within the confines of Christian marriages. Courtship. Only about abstinence says dodging the issue is solving the issue. That's my contribution. <laughs> You kept saying, let's talk. So like, we have to do it. Um, yeah. Incredible. You're welcome. Thank you for that. But yeah, you're a let's treasure. talk about beauty culture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that's incredible. That was good. So the documentary, what he does is he got, he found a tweet. Someone tweeted at him and decades later. Yeah. And was like, Joshua Harris, your book was weaponized against me. Yes. And he said of all of the love mail and the hate mail so to speak that he got decades later that statement stuck with him and he's like i couldn't get it out of my head and so he partnered with a director who really did not like his book because of what what she called purity culture Mm -hmm. and so he goes on um this like mission to find what informed the book in the first place he got on a ton of interviews with like candid interviews with people who he pretty much just sat there and listened to them Mm -hmm. kind of talk at him. Um, And then like you see him on the aftermath after like a whole day of essentially getting reamed out. And you can tell that he maybe for the first time was kind of faced with the actual face of a person whose life was dramatically changed Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways for the worse because of that book. Yeah, what was interesting to me when you sent me the trailer was just him being open to sitting in front of a computer screen and let people critique him <sighs> on something that he, one, he poured his life into. Right. Or, or whatever. I'm not going to assume, but he put a lot of work into it. Sure. Um, that got him a lot of notoriety. And for all intents and purposes, he thought he was doing the right thing. Yep. Um, to me, that's, like that's my worst nightmare. I was just going to say the same <laughs> thing. For the front I put on for not giving a shit about stuff, <laughs> I that would terrify me to no end. If people just critique me on things that I do, oh, screw that. Like, I already hate myself enough. I don't need <laughs> you to talk to this. You cannot hate me more than I yeah. hate me. So when he when when I saw that in the trailer, I'm like, okay, this is definitely worth a watch. Um, but what was, what was interesting, beyond the people just saying what it did to them and or some people saying how it was good, they felt it was good at the beginning and then they realized how it actually affected their relationships um, going forward. Besides that being interesting was just him taking in these comments. Um, some people saying it was good. It helped them do this. It helped them do that. And some people saying like, it wasn't just, oh, it was bad. It's like, no, it like was detrimental to me having any relationship with anyone of the opposite sex yep. because I thought that if I talk to a boy, then then I'd have to marry that boy. Yep. Or if I talk to a girl, it had to be for courtship purposes, which if you don't know what courtship is, it's a fancy Christian word of not dating, but it's dating to marry. Right. And so it, it, that was super, super interesting. And in their responses, I'm seeing like, oh, that's why I did that. Yep. Or that's why so-and-so... It, it it's very very interesting. Courtship. And when did this come out? The documentary. Uh, 2018. Okay, so it's, it's not been that far two, back. Not that far back. Yeah, courtship was like one round in the chamber, baby. Yes. You get one shot, yeah. and so you just kind of slowly just kind of find your target, and then that's it. 
like you lock on and that's the person you are speaking to with the intention of marrying. Yeah. It just, and, and I think someone in the documentary said, it's just the idolatry of marriage. It mm. sets marriage up to be the end all be all. And I'm going to say something and I'm not sure if it's from the documentary or for, from Kevin Garcia's book, bad theology kills, which is out now on Amazon and yeah, yeah. their website. And it's amazing. But marriage during that whole entire run of true love weights and purity culture is just another substitute for uh, the prosperity gospel. It is the answer to everything. If you wait and you save yourself from marriage and you abstain from all these evil things and you do all these other things, and you don't have sex, yep. then when you get to marriage, it's going to be the thing that answers. It's the same exact thing as Joel Osteen Benny Hinn, anyone touting, do these things, get this thing. Yeah. And when they said that, I'm like, oh man, that's it's a magic bullet. It it's nailed it tran- on the head. Dude. Yeah. It nailed this, it on the head. Yeah. It's true. It's it's this transactionary, like, yes. do you want a great marriage? Yes. Do you want mind blowing porno sex? Yeah. But you want God to be happy with it? Yeah. Yeah. Then here's what you do. It was crazy. Yes. Um, so you said you did you had the purity ring. Yeah. Was there like a ceremony? Did you have a ceremony? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. So no, <clears throat> did you have a ceremony? So I, here's the thing. I, <laughs> I didn't, Okay. but the church <laughs> I went to, they did. Oh, so, wow. sa- so I didn't, uh, we hadn't been at the church long enough for me to like feel a part of that community. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, they had like this big whole thing and ev- and all the cool kids had like this ring and, and it, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, I think, you know what? I think I would like to, Pop a little disclaimer in here. Yeah. Because I realized this is by no means going to be like some sort of definitive, comprehensive conversation on the topic of purity culture. Oh, not a, not a There's chance. There's no chance. First of all, we're too stupid. Yes. We're idiots. So we could never have any sort of definitive, yes. comprehensive view on anything. Mm-hmm. But I will say this is such a nuanced conversation. We're talking about it as two straight men. Yes. And therefore, our perspective is so, so limited. Mm-hmm. Um, like statistically the people that were the most impacted and potentially the most traumatized and harmed were women members of the lgbtq community and people of color yeah and so um but what's not funny but is very true is that you could take out purity culture and just and, talk and talk anything. about anything in the church you're right that's and so the true groups of people who are Holy most shit. likely traumatized the most yeah were women the lgbtq community that's a and great people of color that's a great point that's yeah, a great perspective so yeah. i guess the idea when i say that is because i'm hoping that Right now, we're just kind of riffing the two of us. Yeah. But I'm hoping that we can have another conversation with some other folks who can provide that perspective. Yeah. So I'll say this also. I don't want to make it sound like we're shitting on abstinence or purity culture, but just talking about it. My wife and I saved ourselves from marriages and for marriages. God. For marriage. <laughs> it's a touchy subject. Sex is in general, um, even more so in the church. But in Kevin's book, Kevin Garcia's book, which I'm going to reference a lot because I'm currently reading it. Yeah. Um, there's a quote in there along the lines of it's not easy, but that's why it has to be done. Um, it's our job as, as they put prophets, quote unquote, not in the sort of in the biblical sense where we call out stuff that's not normal. Um, but Kevin says, this shit's not normal. We should say this shit is not normal. You know, it's funny you say that. Cause I had made a note to mention mm-hmm. is like the loyal soldier in my head yes. says, who are you edifying? 
by pulling apart yeah. the structures. Yeah. Like, who are you helping when mm-hmm. you on your podcast come in and critique a thing, right? And that's the thing. Like to your point, yes. it's like it 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 sounds like all we're doing is just trying to come in here and just shit on a thing. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, it's actually worse to pretend that there wasn't harm done. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I feel like there is this sort of um, easy out that I grew up saying to people and hearing. And the saying was, no church is perfect. If you find one, don't go there. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to ruin it. Yeah. And it, it became this sort of like, yeah, no church is perfect. Don't judge us. And it became this sort of junk drawer mm. to get to slide away from some sort of accountability to slide. It was a quick pithy response to frustration that people have with the church. If the person told me they were church burned, I'll go, well, you know, no church is perfect. So, you know, you just remember people, you know, that God's people make up the church and people are imperfect, but it becomes an excuse to not face the shit that goes down. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. If, if I was like, Hey, like my parents fucked me up in the way I was brought up. And you go, well, you know, no parents are perfect. Sure. But that doesn't yes. help me. You're right. Yes. And yes. And see, I can do it. Boy, you I can did do it. I'm back. But it's like, yeah. yes. And it's still crucial yeah. for me to look back and unpack the ways that it altered my like psyche and my experiences such that I can go and not have it impact me for the future. Yeah. And I definitely feel that same thing. That loyal soldier come up and go, why are you even doing things? But going back to like going back into the purity culture and that church culture in general, we weren't taught to question things. And if there was an opportunity to question things, it was only the questions they would give us. And he'd give us the answers to answer those people who might ask us a question, but apologetics, or if the arc was true, um, if dinosaurs like whatever. So we were already given the answers, but we weren't ever equipped to ask questions. So when we start talking about topics like sex like racism within the church and how the church is completely, like you said, traumatized, how completely marginalized entire groups of people. That's like me taking a tiny little chisel to an entire iceberg. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So it's just identifying the thing. Yep. And then may, hopefully just talking it over. But yeah. But yeah, it's just, I, I don't want people to think we're just dumping all over it. Sure. And my intention, and I know yours is too, just to talk through it. Cause it is a thing. Yeah, that I was a part of, but I wasn't drastically traumatized by it. It did impact me in a lot of ways. Yeah, which kind of made me who I am. But I mean, I think um, Matt Carter from the Bad Christian Podcast puts it really well. He said that a lot of what you do when you kind of have these conversations is the equivalent of cutting down the brush. It's like I'm not going to. Um, dig the trenches and lay like asphalt to build a road. I'm just mm. here to cut a path clear the way to just to clear it. Cool. And if that means I got to swing some machetes around mm-hmm. to like cut some shit down, yeah. at least we're able to find a path forward. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. Yeah. And so it helps me sleep better at night. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> to get back into the purity culture thing, I am hoping we had asked uh, a few people on our who are friends with us and connect with us on social media if they can kind of add some perspective. Yeah. So either all at once, I don't know, or we're going to pepper it through. Yeah. But you'll be able to hear from voices who are not our voices mm-hmm. to be able to add at least some other perspectives that show just how nuanced this is. I think I heard someone say that the era that purity culture was birthed out of 
was an era of marketing evangelicalism. Mm. It because was, it was the 90s, Yep. which if you can count, is after the 80s. <laughs> right. And the 80s was a culture of excess. Right. Um, and, and like the AIDS crisis and like yeah, there's yeah. so much. And so it was kind of like this sort of like we need to get our nation back mm-hmm. by any means necessary. And if that means making Jesus is still all right with me songs, you know what I'm saying? If, if that means making Christianity hip and cool, then so be it. Yeah. And so what happened was all of evangelicalism became uh, pithy, snappy t-shirts mm-hmm. and yeah. it became cool pamphlets mm-hmm. and it became names of youth groups that could also be the name of a skate park. Yeah. <laughs> it became all of these fucking things. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And what happened was you'll see a thing that says like Jesus died for, I mean, obviously it wasn't at the time, but it, it would be the equivalent of, of seeing something that said Jesus died for my space yeah. in heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. And then at the little bottom, there'd be like maybe a reference to a scripture. Yeah. And so what happened is that I think all of even Christianity became reduced to these bite-sized palatable concepts. Yeah. But then that itty bitty piece became extrapolated to like, now this is the gospel. What piece? So like, for example, you go, Hey, um, true love waits. Mm-hmm. Now the Bible doesn't say true love waits. Mm-hmm. The Bible has a bunch of nuanced perspectives yes. that range all across the scriptures. Yeah. And sometimes it speaks directly to certain things, yes. but most times it is not prescriptive. Most of the time, the Bible is descriptive, yes. right? And uh, one would argue all the time it's descriptive mm-hmm. because it's written from people in their context, but that's a whole nother yeah, podcast. Yeah. But what happened is you take this one notion and then it becomes gospel now. And yeah. you throw yes. nuance okay. out you. the door. I got you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I wrote down one of the things that someone said to uh, Joshua Harris in that documentary is you were taking beautiful, complicated things and making them simple. Yes, that's right. It it is distilling things down to almost be unrecognizable from the thing they were birthed from. And purity culture is a good kind of study on that because as I continually think through things, I've realized that a lot of mystery and beauty and hugeness of the religion I grew up in was taken away in the vein of making things hip, quick. Hey, give me your 10 second elevator speech on the gospel. That's right. Like things had to Wear be the bracelet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and, and then you, you, you nailed it on the head. Things start being prescriptive and it's easy because there's, there's five bullet points. You write it down in your notepad and you go home. Right. Instead of like having to think about what does the Bible say about sex? Well, there's an entire book about it where a dude goes down on a girl for the entire book. <laughs> if you, if you guys aren't like hip with the Bible, get light some candles yep. or some incense, read song of Solomon mm-hmm. or song of songs, whatever it's titled in the, in the edition you have. My God. Yeah. It's kinky. It's sexually explicit. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's so hard for me now just looking back. It's just, it's just so hard for me to understand how that all, came together like joshua harris once again was in the right place at the right time that book hit a spot yeah. that the evangelical church was itching for it was the boom of mega churches which we were still kind of seeing what's kind of on the decline but not really um it was when saddleback up in somewhere in the northeast was was huge um it was the response to the 80s it was a response to the free love culture yeah. it was when baby boomers were coming into their 
prime, having kids, getting jobs. Um, and their parents were the parents from the Great Depression. So it's, it's, it's definitely generational. It's, it, it, it definitely was a, a thing for a specific time. And it fit. It was like the puzzle piece that the church needed. Oh, we got to talk about sex somehow. True love waits. Just don't ever talk about, look at anyone, and, and sex yeah. is bad. What's crazy is like Joshua Harris, if I remember this correctly, he was 22 years old. Yeah, he said that in the documentary. That blew me Dude, away. What is one thing that you can that you did when you were twenty two or twenty one or twenty two years old that you're like, sure I'm glad I did that. like most things that I did when I was twenty two, oh, I'm like, bad. oh my god. Yeah. Why did I think mustaches were cool? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and so I, I cut off the sleeves of my shirts <laughs> and I ate protein bars a lot because I thought they'd be healthier than whatever else I ate. I just got fat off protein bars. <laughs> I didn't work out, I just ate them because my workout friend did. That's amazing. It's horrible. It's amazing. But the thing <laughs> with this, great. imagine if like this one thing you did now yeah. becomes the top line, the first thing someone says about yeah. you when they're trying to equi- uh, connect you with an audience you never met before. This is Joshua Harris. Uh, do you know him? Uh, well, he wrote this book called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Oh, yeah, I know him. Imagine if that's your fucking... That's that's your resume, dude. That's the worst. That's your, <laughs> that's your cover page. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. And I, and I think... <clears throat> I feel for him. I appreciate his, his earnestness. Mm-hmm. I appreciate his uh, humility and his sincerity to like receive this stuff like and kind of face it head on you know and mm-hmm. i think he, he it, i'm really happy to hear it obviously there are parts of the documentary where i'm like this isn't for me yeah i, I think at the end of it, it it is a little preachy yeah um but i i appreciate where it's coming from yes you know and um i i think the th- thing that was the most interesting to me was the true love waits movement started with, like you said, absence till marriage, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is not an objectively bad ideal, you know, but what I kiss dating goodbye did was it up the ante. Now it's like, it's not just like, don't have sex. Now it's like, don't even go on dates with people. Don't kiss till you're married. Right. And so it's like the, because you just going on dates and holding hands and kissing people is opening up the doorway to the potential risk of having sex before mm-hmm. marriage. It's kind of like, how far back can we follow yeah. the mousetrap to the very beginning mm-hmm. where you're not even knocking down the first thing? You know, yeah. it's kind of like, if you never do this one thing in the beginning, it, and so it sort of became like this, nip it in the bud, and dating is the problem. Mm-hmm. And he, Joshua Harris, he met his then-to-be wife, and then they didn't kiss until their wedding day. Yeah. And I remember hearing that in the book because he said he didn't want, he wasn't planning on doing it. He wrote the book before he was married. And then we find out, I remember finding out years later after the book, he's like, yeah, and he didn't kiss his, his, his he only kissed his wife on his mm-hmm. wedding day. And I was so inspired at the time because I was like young and impressionable. And I remember, I know stories. We know people who they're like proudest moment Mm -hmm. was getting to tell folks that they didn't kiss until their wedding day. Yeah. Like we know people who did that because it was peddled to us as the magic formula. Mm -hmm. And we know people who didn't kiss until their wedding day and are now currently divorced. Yeah. Because it's not, you know? Yeah. I think I understand why abstinence is a thing still and was so big back then and why you wouldn't kiss whatever. 
because in any relationship, sexual, I mean, friend, friend, anything, any relationship you have with anyone, you are investing time in that person, right? So when you hang out with someone, when you go on trips with someone, you're creating memories, you are investing in them and they're investing. It's like there's this give and take. And so anytime you're kind of, you don't see a friend for a while or, or for some other reason, you're not friends anymore. It always kind of hurts. That is even more so when things get sexual or you really like the person or you just kiss them or you just hold hands. Like then is a whole other emotion. Like you and I can hang out, but if you and I hold hands, ain't doing nothing for me. Sorry to let you know. Well, but <laughs> I'm a good hand well, holder. Um, but there's just this different level of a relationship. So I understand why I say, just don't even approach it. I'm like, okay, I get why you're doing that because you right. don't want to hurt. Right. But there, are, there are intentions. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and these are parents who they were like, we don't want our kids. We want to protect our kids. Mm -hmm. They want, they, these parents wanted to probably wanted to protect their kids from the potential risk of yeah. like sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. And they probably wanted to try and um, make sure that their kids were in the best position to succeed in life without having some sort of unplanned pregnancy. Like I'm sure, I don't know what their logic was, mm -hmm. but I, I know that I feel that it originated from a good place. Yes. But what it, what it turned into was this sort of weird, toxic shame culture where it's like, yes, now you can't go against kind of the grain, you know, I, um, I, I, so I am mostly Filipino, mm -hmm. a little bit Chinese, but mostly Filipino American. And so, and I lived in the U S for most of my life, but for about three years in junior high, I moved to the Philippines and we talked about it in a previous yeah. episode. And so I experienced purity culture in two different mm -hmm. circles. I experienced the purity culture in a white evangelical church. And then I experienced purity culture in like a Filipino Asian church. And my experience was that the white evangelical church, they had this whole big thing. And there were guys who wouldn't participate. They're like, Phew. I'm going to get that mm -hmm. ring, dude. Yeah. And the guys, and we'd be like, you horn dog, you, yeah. you horn dog. Yeah. But in the Asian circles, you, that's not even an option. Hmm. There's something about this close knit culture where it's like, and maybe it's probably stemmed because Asian cultures are very patriarchal, incredibly patriarchal. And therefore like the purity of a girl's is incredibly indicative of the of how successful a, of the patriarch is doing right so i'm sure there's some sort of weird mm -hmm. thing that trails back to it but like in that circle you cannot fight it like that's it dude if you don't like it get the fuck out of there dang so um i will say though just as much as being in the asian church there was no choice but to participate yeah the girls had no choice but to participate regardless so if, if you're if you're a girl, oh, yeah, yeah. you did not have a choice. Yeah. Like guys are considered the horn dogs. We're like, just bounce your eyes. Mm -hmm. I know. Mm -hmm. I know you want them sweet boobies. Yeah. Just bounce your eyes, bro. Yeah. But women, it's like you are inherently dangerous. Yeah. Your body is yes. dangerous. You are, are going to send men to hell. Yeah. You're gonna do it. You said you said it perfectly, the shame culture that came along with it. So the the thing is, once you start the discussion, you can then define the terms used so you can define it by you saying you're being pure till marriage right so so and so comes to youth group or is in your church they're not married yet and you say well you want to keep yourself pure for marriage stay abstinent 
That person's hasn't. They just came to church for the first time. So what are they now? They are the opposite of pure. They are now unpure. They're impure. Whatever the word is. So this purity culture, true love waits, I kiss dating goodbye. The flip side of that coin that I don't, no one put a book out about, but everyone felt it was a shame associated. If you came to the table with that already done, or if you're just fucking a teenage boy or a teenage girl yep. and you like someone and you want to let them know and you pass a note to them. Oh no, I did something wrong. Or you hold their hands or you do something. Yeah. It's this shame that came along with it, which at least in my circles was never, ever, ever addressed. It was, well, just pray about it. God can make you a virgin again. How the fuck does that happen, dude? <laughs> right, right. How, God, rewind what time? What does that do? I don't know. But it's it's this shame that came along with it that immediately made people feel like, well, I guess I really am just really shitty because I, I, I didn't know what I was doing and I, I'm impure now. Like that to me is such a rough title for you to carry around. But you may not actually say that to yourself. Right. But that is the logical conclusion of yeah. you not being pure or abstinent till marriage. Totally. You are dirty and you are not clean. It's a category change. Yes. If you um, eat too much cake, yes. you, I'm not going to categorize you as a glutton. However, if you had sex, I'm going to categorize you yes. as no longer virgin. Yes. You're, you have, with one moment, it defines yeah. what label I brand you with. Yes. Whereas that's it's like the only thing that that is is with I mean, maybe murder, <laughs> but the fact that just that one se- person, yeah, the fact that sexual purity and murder <laughs> yeah. are the only two, as if they're the same, right? As yeah. If, as if that is the, you know these are birds of the same feather. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that was interesting about purity culture mm-hmm. was the way that it taught us to perceive our bodies, because. Okay. To quote quote Adrian Gibbs, say more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because you, we would look at the lens of purity Mm -hmm. and then you would read like the words of Paul, who's like just a hardcore, like he was just really hardcore about everything he said. And it was like, you would go like the body is now this wicked vessel that needs Mm. to be tamed. Yeah. You are burning with Mm -hmm. desire you're constantly like the body is your temple and you're constantly wanting to wax off your temple. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's always happening all the time. And so that is like, this is the devil's vehicle. Like this is the world. This Mm -hmm. is fleshy. Yes. And it's gross. And I think, I, I think like even after my wife and I got married, I still had to wrestle with like, subtle moments of guilt of like even though like you're allowed to have sex yeah obviously yes even after having sex there's still like little twangs of guilt that i would experience early on because like it wasn't this sort of it's it's impossible to flip on a switch to go sex is terrible and now you are going to be sexual cre- completely liberated sexual creatures there's a uh, an interview on the liturgists podcast and it's absolutely awesome we'll probably drop a link in the show notes and women were taught that you need to be sexless completely virginal Jeez. you cannot look at boys in a certain way you can't 
um, dress in a way that mm-hmm. is potentially arousing, uh, lest you be a stumbling block, which is code for you are no longer a human, you're a thing. Yeah. And then if you maintain this sort of sexless, pure, virginal life up until you're married, then you're expected to be a porn star. Wow. You're expected wow. to then become the sole, the oasis to quench your husband's sexual mm-hmm. thirst, right? And it's it's impossible, dude. You can't teach someone for their entire young adult and an and adult impressionable life, life. An impressionable yeah. life to be like, sex is terrible. You need to stay away from it at all costs and then expect them to have some sort of healthy relationship with their body, healthy relationship with sex, healthy relationship with their spouse, free from weird guilt and stuff. Yeah. And it kind of dips it that that conversation dips its toe into like the original sin narrative, um, which Richard Rohr says the Bible starts or Genesis starts at chapter one, not chapter three. Yeah. Chapter one, God says everything is good, and when He creates humans, we are very good. So chapter three is, is the fall, um, the allegory or analogy or metaphor, which I don't know the difference between the three <laughs> words. Um, Let's get Danny Brunges on the phone. Yeah. Um, but we are. Very, we are very good. I'm Kevin Michael Garcia, once again in the book, talks about if we can just sit under that um, statement of us, we are very good. Everything about us, um, whether we're queer, whether we're straight, whether we're Filipino, whether we live in Canada, whether we are from wherever, whoever, and whatever our intricacies are, God looked at us and said, we are very good. Um, that is the opposite of what that whole true love waits culture said. Cause when you said the word flesh and bounce your eyes, that's giving me actual PTSD <laughs> because those are Sorry. things that were constantly said is like, yeah. you, you have to fight your flesh every day. I'm 12. Right. All I want to yeah. do is eat Dunkaroos <laughs> and play SmackDown on PlayStation one. Not because the wrestling game is good, but because in the loading screens, they have pictures of the female wrestlers. Yes, mom, I locked my door on purpose. <laughs> I'd, I had to fight yeah. my flesh every day. Yeah. Dude, I, I don't know anything. It's such a heavy weight to carry yeah. that God or the universe or whoever never placed on us. And to me, reading that through Richard Rohr's book, took me a while and I still have to like force myself to remember it that I am very good like we are very good yeah we are capable of things that aren't good but our root cause is very good if you have a great body you're curvaceous or you're muscular or you're talented in this or you can ride a unicycle you are very good and you are made with those things um that flies in the face of just like like you said about the about girls uh, just co- and I heard those conversations. I, I have a sister, and I heard those conversations at church because we have like boys split up and girls split up. We'd always get back and talk about what the other group said, and that was always the girls had to wear one piece bathing suits. Yep. Um, couldn't sit on the same uh, seat in the, on the bus as a, as a boy. Couldn't. Uh, it, it, it was so much of their responsibility. Yeah. Like you had to. You're responsible for like me. So you carry your own weight. That's right. With your um, puberty, um, with everything you're dealing with at home and now also carry mine. That's right. So if, if I'm stumbling, it's because you, it's because you, yeah. And when you said that, that the woman dressing scandally turns him into a stumbling block, which turns him into a thing. Once again, that's not something people consciously did. Well, turn women into an object, but that 
whether you meant to or not, turn women into an object. Of course. And recognizing that is is the first step in going, oh, shit. Yep. Like Kevin said, this is not normal. Yeah. That whole thing of, well, yeah, you're no longer a person with a soul who deserves a, a, a chance at any, any relationship, but you now are a thing which can cause men to actually fall into sin. Bounce your eyes. <laughs> I heard that the first look is just what everyone does. The second look is the sinning look. So if a girl walks in, oh, a guy ugly. walks in, it's like the first look, oh, someone walked in their room, that's fine. The second look, don't check out that bulge in the pants, girls, because <laughs> now you're sinning. I listened to a podcast, um, and they interviewed Dan Koch, who has a podcast called You Have Permission. Mm-hmm. And he unpacks these big concepts, and he gets like really deep and really theological and one thing he said was the idea of lust shouldn't have ever been applied to kids. He said, because Ooh, damn, think about this. If you, Whoa. so here's the thing. So if I see a girl yeah. and then I go home and then like I see a woman at work, right? And then I go home at night and I am thinking about having sex with that woman and leaving uh, uh, and I'm married. So mm-hmm. I'm cheating on my wife with this woman. Mm-hmm. That is lust, yes. because according to Jesus, any they asked him about adultery, mm-hmm. and he said, "I t- you've heard it said this, but I tell you the truth that any man who lusts after a woman in his heart is committing adultery. Mm-hmm. Kids cannot commit adultery because they're not married. So you are a child. Like it when, when I'm when I'm 12 years old and I see any boobs on anything on any magazine cover, mm-hmm. and I immediately get an erection. Yeah. That is not committing adultery, because. First of all, I'm not an adult, which yeah. is part of the word, and I'm not <laughs> not married, dude. Yeah, and so it's it, and so I understand, like, like I I hope that when my kids hit puberty and hopefully before, I'm talking through a healthy way of saying this is your body, this is what your body is doing right now. Like when this happens and when this comes across your your line of vision and whenever you think about these things, this is what your body's going to do. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't give you permission to um, like jerk off in front of people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't give you permission to touch other people's bodies mm-hmm. just because you want, you have yeah. this urge, but I'm not going to go, you were committing adultery with this person in your heart. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just the way I see so much of that time period of my life was taking complicated subjects and then making them to seven-week sermon series. And then once we talk about sex in the church, that's it. Not till next year, maybe. Then we'll talk about money, and then we'll talk about politics. And then everything was packaged to look very good. And what I think that did was, oh, man. We'll talk about, we'll talk about sex when that sermon series comes. It compartmentalized these complicated issues and it kind of gave the ownership of how they're addressed to the people who was who's giving that information. Now, looking back, those people were like, at the time, 23, 24, but when I was younger, I thought they were much older, and they're my leaders, and I look up to them, but not realizing I was that age. I didn't know shit about anything. Yep. So it's, it, it, it I don't know, it, it was making blanket statements about things that didn't allow for the nuanced conversations, didn't allow... Um, or didn't create a space 
where asking those questions was comfortable because whenever you ask a question about sex, it was always kind of hee hee ha ha ha. And no one ever did until it was like, I don't know, at camps and stuff, until it was like super late. And then one person asked a question, and then all of a sudden, everyone has questions about sex. Like, hey, we're all thinking about this stuff. Yep. Why is no one talking about it? Because it was just something that we only talked about this certain time, or we already addressed it, or you already know the answer. I don't know, man. It's just, like you said before, it seems so prescriptive and very, um, very Catholic priesty just telling you things. Yeah. I will translate the scripture for you because it's in a language I only can read because I'm 23 and you don't know anything about life. You obey. Now you obey it. Yeah. Why? Just because you obey it. Someone reached out to us on Instagram and they said, I came to the church through AA. Mm -hmm. Like, and to me, the church represented this sort of unconditional love. You're accepted just as you are. And then I've found in the subsequent months and years since that what I thought was unconditional love sure seems a hell of a lot like conditions. And I think purity culture was a perfect example of that, right? You you get people in the door of your church by like catchy slogans, mm-hmm. cool bands, mm-hmm. like like a skate park and pizza, right? You get them in the door. You save them because you have a catchy bracelet that reduces the gospel down to six points so you can win a soul. And then once you've kind of snagged them with the notion of you're unconditionally loved, then like all these little asterisks at the bottom of the page start to fill in some extra gaps. And you go, well, except for this, and except for this, and except for this, and this, and this, and this, and this. Damn. Dang. I want to, um, can we play a, a, a video clip? Yeah. Which one? So this is a clip. This isn't from like the 90s, but it is very much the purity culture ethos by a man by the name of Mark Driscoll. And he had done a sermon about sexuality and marriage. I feel like the biggest, like he was most known for his sex and marriage sermons. Mm -hmm. And so I found this one that I remember listening to back when I was in college. And I was like, you preach it, brother. Uh, Yeah, so check it out. And if you were a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you. How many of you, you would live differently if Jesus was always hanging out with you? You're going, hey, I'm going to the strip club with Jesus. You're like, probably not, right? Right? I'm making out with my girlfriend with Jesus. No, probably not. Jesus sees everything. He said, but I turn the lights out. He still sees everything. He knows everything. He's all present. And in some real sense, Jesus goes with his people, Paul is saying. What that means is, ladies, when you're making out with your boyfriend in some weird way, he's making out with Jesus. How many of you dudes, that just got you out of the mood? See, that's why I did it. Okay, you got to think that. You look at, that's Jesus' daughter. Jesus is here between us. Jesus is here with us. If I put my hands all over in some weird way, I'm implicating Jesus in what I am doing. If Jesus were sitting here, would I do this? If Jesus were sitting here, would we be doing this? If not, then don't do it, because where's Jesus? Right there. What do you think of that shit? I don't know. His voice gives me, not PTSD because that's so dramatic, but I mean, I remember listening to his sermons yep. and being all about it. Um, I think the guilt, you know what it is? That logic of like, when, you kid, when you're making out with your girlfriend, mm-hmm. you're making out with Jesus. Like under that logic, I grabbed Jesus's ass a ton. Yeah, yeah. I grabbed so much of Jesus's ass. Yeah. It's that sort of logic of like women 
save yourself. Jesus is your boyfriend. Yeah. Men, don't kiss this girl because you're, in a way, kissing Jesus. It's, which is funny because under that logic, Jesus is sitting next to us whenever we're not married. But as soon as we're married, Jesus doesn't just magically leave, right? According to your logic, like Jesus is always with us. Yeah. So that just means Jesus becomes a really kinky voyeur yeah. watching us have sex all the time. I it's just, like, let's just get out of my bedroom, Jesus. And it's, you said Jesus's daughter. That's not a thing. Because we'd be, she'd be God's daughter because we're children of God, not of Jesus, whatever. Bless her. Theology, asshole. No, but <laughs> yes, we're all children of God. We're all children of, like, we're, we're all humans. We're all, we all come from the same thing. Yeah. But it, like you said, it, it, you can't use that logic. You can't extrapolate that to the rest of my life. It, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it's, it's just another way. I can see what he's saying. I can see the point he's getting to. First of all, I don't agree with it, but I can see where he's going. But I can also already feel the guilt that little Josh has because I kissed girls. Just even kissing. Sure. So I've kissed Jesus' daughter. Right. Like, why, why the fuck does that matter, dude? <laughs> it's, 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 another, it's another weight for me to carry yeah. on, on a... On a a soul, maybe heart, maybe a body or a mind. I'll say that on a mind that already has so many other things that I, so many other plates I have to keep spinning. I have to be reading my Bible at least every day. I need to be having a quiet time either before um, I go to bed, which doesn't really work because I fall asleep and makes me even feel guiltier or after I wake up, which I never do because I don't wake up on time. So I'm not doing that tithing. I don't have a job. So how do I do that? I need to be saving my neighbors because they're going to hell. Yeah. I need to make sure I'm at church on time. Yeah. Um, and I have the answers when there's awkward silence in, in the room. I need to have prayer requests. I can't say unspoken. I need to actually, there's so many things. <laughs> it's systematically legalistic. Yes. It's, it's like what the guy the commented, like they're for, for people who sing, come just as you are yeah. um, for people who preach a, a gospel of a, man who loved everyone who sat with anyone and was most of the time not in the church I have to do so much work on myself to feel even remotely okay to to walk into a building and have conversations about like it doesn't make sense yeah and Mark Driscoll just throw more shit on top of it dude right I I'm gonna say it because I feel like Say it. It will hopefully lend some like validity to people mm-hmm. who have a similar experience. I had sex before marriage, mm-hmm. and like I remember dating this girl. She asked me if I wanted to have sex. I said no mm-hmm. because at the time I was saving myself. Yeah, and she broke up with me, and I remember like being so devastated that like me trying to honor God like was enough to like get my heart broken. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, I remember like staying awake doing the technical virgin math mm. in my head. And there was a definitive How moment. Far? Well, that's the thing. So yeah. up until that point, we literally like I might, and, and I remember telling myself like, you might as well have had sex cause you did everything else anyway. Yeah. And I remember talking myself up to the ledge and being like, if she gets back together with you for whatever reason, like just have sex. Mm-hmm. 
And that she, we eventually got back together. And then around that time, I stopped hanging out with my church friends. They phased out of my life mm-hmm. because I was like, well, that's it. You're done. You cannot hang out with these people anymore. Don't even bother. What are you going to do? You're going to waltz back into your youth group. You're going to pick up your acoustic guitar and sing about your love is extravagant. Like, so I literally, it wasn't, I don't think it was a conscious thing, but it could not, it was not an accident that I, I started having sex and then I phased out of church because I was like, that's it. And I think that purity culture, and I will, I will disclaim like there is emotional baggage that came from that sexual experience. Oh yeah. So I'm not going to completely throw the baby out of the bathwater. Like I see people's, I, I respect people who go, I want to save the emotional, spiritual and physical mm-hmm. facet of myself. And I, I'm going to respect that if that's your decision to do, but don't let yourself be guilt tripped into doing it because what that does is it creates legalists who are either completely proud of themselves and like arrogant assholes mm-hmm. or people like me who are like, well, that's it. You're done. And I think, um, we are just now coming to a head as a society looking back on some of the weird messaging that we received growing up in the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. And we're like, holy shit, that drove so much weird behavior. Like the last thing I needed to do when I was having that internal struggle with my spirituality and my sexual purity was to pull away from yeah. my church community, arguably, right? Yeah. Some people would argue like, actually, it was toxic to begin with. Yeah. You did it the right thing to leave. And that's that's a fair point, actually. But what would have been great was if I had a community of people around me who were like, what you're feeling is normal. Let's talk through a sexual ethic, not just talk about blind legalism, mm-hmm. a sexual ethic, which means what do you value? Do you value, like, how, how much do you um, value um, maybe some health? How much like your health? How much do you value your uh, safety? How much do you value emotional connection? Because mm-hmm. there are a million reasons why a person could potentially say, I want to wait. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking that. All I was thinking was just don't. Because you're not offered anything else. It's just right. don't do it. That's right. I mean, like I said before, my wife and I waited, but we did everything but have sex because that once again was the end all be all. That one act was the, you got the check mark or you don't get the check mark. Yep. And like with, with previous girlfriends, it was just sort of the same thing. And there's, and like I, I experienced that guilt because I was leading, I was serving in church. Like, well, fucking we fooled around and, but just, well, how does God feel about that? I'm like, I don't think God fucking cares. Right. Um, we were made good. We were made to do good. Now, in a group of people, like you said, like a, a, a community of people, they might have told you, just get, just get out of that relationship because she's not healthy. I mean, that would have been said to me about m- most of my girlfriends besides my wife because right. they're all kind of crazy. Um, but there is no opportunity for that. There is no, once again... There is no space for these huge, complicated issues. Like, we are sexual beings. We are spiritual beings. We are the top of the food chain, and we have so much potential for good. 
We have so many emotions and we all have very different experiences. I can't normalize something based on my experience. So I need to give you space to talk about yours. Kind of what Danny Brunch has talked about in their story times they had. We're not here to prescribe. We're here to listen. We're here to just to be. And if that were offered at that time, I'm sure the conversation would somehow either get to sex or Halo 3 <laughs> or Doritos because that's all we talked about or did. But just allowing that space to be open and honest like, yes, I had sex or no, I just got a blowjob or whatever. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Let's let's unpack that. Or do you want to unpack that? How do you feel about it? Right. And just offering that. And, and like I, I can't imagine that ever happening where I was at that time because I know the immediate guilt and shame and just, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you after after service or emails from people and phone calls and the text messages. Oh, are you okay? Like, dude, I don't know. Jesus sat at the well with a, with a prostitute and talked to her like a woman in a time where women culturally were seen as objects, as things. And... He sat there and he sat at the well. He didn't say, hey, I'm Jesus, pat on the back. Like he had a conversation with the woman and talked to her and met her where she was at the well. The fucking church ain't doing that. Their church didn't do that for me. It right. didn't meet me at the well. It told, come up to the pulpit, dedicate your life as much as you want. And while you're up here, we're going to tell you how to live your life. Right. Like, no, I'm already living life. No, it's just, it's, um, I don't know, I man, it's, it's a lot of things, but uh, just purity culture is such a good microcosm of what the yeah. church did, and I, I unfortunately is is still doing. It's just being prescriptive, and it's it's saying you you have to be like this, you have to be this uh, the mythic normal, this this normal that we've created um, that doesn't exist. Because the normal is your experience. Adrian Gibbs' experience is what's normal to Adrian Gibbs. Right? And people are saying, oh, that's heresy because everything's relative. <laughs> it fucking is because you're choosing to not have women wear headdresses in church. You're eating pork. Correct. You're, you're getting tattoos. You're fat as fuck. That's gluttony. That's one of the seven deadly sins. You're getting divorced. Like you're picking and choosing the Bible already. You're already so, doing it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but the mythic norm is just that. It's mythical. Once again, guys, this episode here of Dirty Rotten Church Kids is brought to you by Eternal Confidence. This is a docu-series on YouTube in its second season, and it's created by Homesick Productions. I really like it a lot. I think it's interesting because um, I appreciate the fact that they speak to a wide range of people who come from a really broad spectrum of belief, and, and their stories are really diverse. Um, what I like about what this, what these videos do is there isn't kind of like a narrator who's kind of like directing your thought processes. Um, it's not really telling you where to think or it's not telling your, your eye where to look, so to speak. It's allowing you to kind of accept the perspectives and then you um, are kind of challenged to uh, think about your own and then filter your beliefs through their context. I liked it a lot. The video that uh, I checked out that um, I think is pretty neat is should I convert other people? Uh, growing up in the church, like that was the biggest thing, right? Should I be trying to proselytize? Should I be sharing my faith? Check it out. I think it's going to be uh, uh, really helpful to you guys. Or if nothing else, I definitely think it's worth uh, a watch. We're going to drop a link down in the show notes down below. If you check out the video, go ahead and leave a comment and say Dirty Rotten Church Kids sent you.
I'm Carly Rose. I'm from the beautiful country of New Zealand, but now I live just north of Sydney in Australia. One of the things the church taught me about purity is that men cannot help but give in to their lusts and desires, and that it is up to a woman to set the boundaries physically within a relationship. I was specifically taught from the age of 13 that uh, men will just follow their lusts and definitely go as far as their female partner lets them go physically. Uh, this did create a lot of guilt um, for the physical things I did with the two boyfriends I had during my time in the fundamentalist church. Um, but an interesting side effect as well was when I was being strong, I put that in quotation marks, um, and refusing any physical advances from my significant other, a couple of times and from both uh, these separate boyfriends, I was actually accused of being unsubmissive. These guys were shocked that I would reject them, even though it was actually apparently my responsibility to keep things physically where they needed to be, I was accused of being unsubmissive uh, when I didn't allow them to do what they wanted to do physically. So that was very difficult. Um, I guess the only thing in fundamentalist circles as a woman that's worse than being a whore is being called unsubmissive. So it was pretty strong language and very confusing indeed. My name is Carla. I'm based out of South Florida. I had a little bit of a unique upbringing. I um, grew up in a Southern Baptist church uh, in South Florida that was predominantly white. However, they did have a Spanish ministry. So I, I pretty much almost went to two services and got a little bit of both. I noticed that my the Spanish ministry was significantly stricter um, even when it came to purity, I was pulled aside once because I was flirting with a boy and he was flirting back. <laughs> I feel I could be wrong, but my what my perspective was is that we were so strict on the rules for ourselves because we didn't want to draw any attention to us. Um, a lot of us were undocumented, including me at that one point in time. So we just wanted to make sure that no one could say anything about us. Our rules were super strict. It was the way it was because it had to be. Hi, I'm Tommy from Oakland, California. And um, one of the weird things that happens with gay boys in sexual purity culture is sexual purity culture is it really can't fathom the idea of homosexual attraction. And so in the closet um i had to like sort of perform the idea of struggling with lust after women um so i went so far as to sharpie out the cleavage of the women in my cd case for uh the <laughs> the broadway cast original broadway cast recording of wicked i sharpied out christian chenoweth's boobs um for no one <laughs> um <laughs> I, I had absolutely no lustful desire towards Kristen Chenoweth, but I had to pretend to struggle with that. Um, but yeah, no, now I just suck a lot of dick.
Hi, my name is Alyssa, and I was born and bred in South Florida. I grew up in both the Presbyterian and Southern Baptist circles. There were these unspoken rules in my church, and maybe they were explicit in others um, about how a woman should dress. And if you don't follow these rules, if you wear a bikini versus a tankini on a youth group retreat or shorts and not Bermuda shorts, you are automatically towing a fine line and you are automatically tempting the opposite sex. I was taught at a young age, I'm a young girl, that I am what I wear is the sole reason if a boy can control himself or not. I found myself constantly judging other women for what they wore or what they didn't wear and always dressing to please the standard that the church had. I am kind of just now realizing in my late 20s, I'm married, I have two kids, how ingrained this mentality was and is in me that I think other women view me by what I wear and that, you know, how men react to me is my burden to bear. Um, But at the heart of it, I developed a really strange relationship with my body where on the whole, you know, I like my body. Yes, I have insecurities, but at the end of the day, it made me uncomfortable. And how was I supposed to be vulnerable with my husband, for example, if I was uncomfortable? How could I truly love myself and appreciate myself if I was uncomfortable? What do I wear? Um, And now, what do I teach my daughter about all of this? Kevin says that in, uh, in their book, authority figures are just actually authority figurines. We've given them power. And now we can start to take it back. We can start to unpack things and we can start to create a new normal. That's actually more in line with the spiritual truths of whatever spiritual background you come from. Um, But seeing that, like I'm very visual. So I see someone in in, in my head holding up this mythic normal statue of what it's a white heterosexual male who serves at his church right. and never asks for anything and loves his wife and never gets in fights. And Two and a half kids and a dog. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's so unreal. And what it's, what it's done to us and to a lot of people has pushed them out because like, we don't fit there, man. No. And um, it's very interesting that the same way Joshua Harris was wrote that book at, in that time where the book fit he is now coming to this realization in 2018, 2019, 2020, when this whole other realization's coming out where people our age are now rethinking, oh, that's not normal. And there's this whole kind of other thing happening. Yeah. So if anything, if nothing else, Joshua Harris knows when to release things. I'm telling you. The dude he has a time master down. marketer. But um, they talked about, um, sorry. To, no, yeah. They, they talked about in the documentary that the True Love Waits movement became like a movement about like marketing. Yeah. That there were, I don't know if you remember this, but there were like purity Bibles. They're like, like a Bible just around boys 
purity and a Bible just around <laughs> women's purity. There were you get a penis Bible and you get a <laughs> a dirty a woman dirty. penis Bible. I can't <laughs> say the V word. Know, right? <laughs> like there were like this purity rings. Yeah, like, there mm-hmm. there were entire like businesses that were propped up peddling. There were millionaires made because of this yeah. mythic normal that you're mentioning. Uh-huh. This sort of idealized. Proverbs 31 uh-huh. woman yeah. who is just this pristine, pristine untainted mm-hmm. figurine, right? Did you ever have any weird object lessons growing up? Like for me, I remember my pastor was would say like, here's a great glass of water. It's mm-hmm. delicious. Who wants to drink it? And uh, anyone, people would say, now what if I told you there was a little bit of urine in it? And, he, and his crescendo was that a little bit of something impure will taint an entire thing that was pure. And that's what he talked about virginity. He used that to, to, to it was it was a big brush that painted over masturbation. Mm-hmm. It painted over um, dating without the intention to marry and having sex before marriage, all in the same thing because it was, it was so vague that it was just kind of like thrown out there. And yeah. it's like, you do with it what you want. Have fun. Toothpaste was mine. Once you um. Once you do the deed, once you unfurl the toothpaste and the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. <laughs> it's out. Wow. So, once you, so sex is your toothpaste. I mean, it's white once, and gooey, so it's all the same, right? <laughs> but Once you squeeze it out. Yeah. Once it's it out, you, you can't put it back in. Right. Um, Which is untrue because how does like, it get man, in there in the first place? Like, I'm, I bet you if I take a toothpick, I can like scoop it back in really slowly. <laughs> and then I can put it back in and then blow on it and make it look inflated again. Like, hey. Yeah, but that was one of them. The um, uh, what was another one? We asked folks on social media to tell us what were some yeah. of like, the weirdest ways they were taught about yeah. purity. Some of them, most of them were heartbreaking and frustrating. Oh, yeah. A couple of them were like these stupid object lessons like we had. Someone said uh, poop brownie. <laughs> I can only hope... That there was not, no one was so intent on teaching a lesson that they did that. But I guess the idea was like, you have brownie, but I tell like there's poop in it. That's a crazy analogy, but I'm also going to use that as any nickname. If I go to laser tag, my name is poop brownie. <laughs> poop brownie. That's I'm going to use that for so many things. Poop brownie 69. It's just, you come in poop brownie. Just leave, leave the comment. Don't say anything. Just poop brownie. I don't know, man. So I got shot by poop brownie. <laughs> Who is poop brownie? <laughs> Um, it, yeah, it's, it, it's just, once again, taking something that's very nuanced yeah. and deserves to be talked at any time, yeah. but just addressing it in some small little, um, thing. So I want to correct something. I want to correct the record. Um, I previously stated that Matt Chandler had the Rose object lesson. I'm incorrect. So I rewatched the clip by Matt Chandler and he said he was sitting he was sitting in a service with, with a friend and um, they were having that object lesson taught to them where the rose is getting passed around. And at the end, the rose is all kind of tattered because everyone's been handling it. And the pastor goes, who would want that rose? Who would want this rose now? And Matt Chandler said he was so mad because he wanted to say, Jesus wants that rose. I'm like, oh, that's okay. So I kind of attributed him wrong. I thought he was doing the analogy. But still, my critique of it stands. It's his. Fuck. Well, yeah, we're yeah. not we're not disgusting roses, right? We're not falling apart and broken. We are made in the image, to quote the Bible and the band thrice, of the invisible God, um, because they have a song about that. But uh, 
I don't know. It's yeah, I heard I heard ones where it's like if you take uh, scotch tape and you stick it to multiple oh pieces of paper, eventually the stickiness is out. Or it's like, hey, it's always sticky white stuff. <laughs> well, the, or, or ones where it's like, hey, here's a piece of gum. Who wants it? Now I'm going to chew it. Now yeah. you chew it. Yeah. Now you chew it. Now you chew it. Now who still wants to chew it? And it's like, it is, it's reductive. Yes. Right? It is reducing you to an object that is used up and thrown away. It's, it's, it's reducing an experience, introducing a part of you that connects. That it's, it's, it's reducing the deepest part of you that connects with the deepest part of someone else to a dumbass object lesson that people are like, ha, 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 that everyone's laughing about. Right. But underneath that, everyone's like, I, what? I don't understand. And even lower, like, well, fuck, man, I, I jacked off before I came to the service. Right. So how much toothpaste is out of my tube? Yep. <laughs> like, I, I, I Dude, I, I remember when I was in the Philippines, I was in a Bible study group with a guy. It was like a bunch of us and we were praying. And we did this thing where like everyone goes around in a circle and everyone like says a little bit of a prayer. Yeah. And this one I kid, hated those. I hated it too long. because I was so afraid of what to say. I wasn't, I couldn't give a shit about your prayers. Okay. I'm trying to form. No one's listening. No one's listening. No one's listening. Okay. He already <laughs> said, ah, oh, he already said hatred for his mom. So I can't say that too. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and this kid, I think his name was Roberto. It came around to him and he was like borderline weeping. He's oh, like, God, I'm so sorry. <sighs> Only you know what I did this morning. And I wanted to be like, I know too. <laughs> I promise you, it's not only the way you said it. We all know what you did this morning. Wow! But the shame. How and old were you? Thirteen, maybe fourteen. And it's kind of like, gosh, dude. You know, and it's and it's like everyone. You 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 beat yourself into this submission, uh, and then you like kind of hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And then somehow that's supposed to go away when you get married. Mm, yeah. It's supposed to go away, you know? And I think you have to be very cognizant of the ramifications of that mindset. And there are some people, dude, like the stories of people who are like, they told me to wait. I waited. I got married. And it it was terrible. Mm-hmm. The sex was terrible. The relationship was terrible. This was supposed to fix it, and and it didn't. Yeah, marriage was the thing that all Christians should subscribe to. Ascribe to. I don't know. Subscribe things. to marriage. Subscribe to marriage. Monthly. Click the like button. <laughs> subscribe like and to subscribe. marriage. Hit, smash that bell icon yeah. for the latest notifications. Um, But that was supposed to be like the, the thing. Yeah. That you aim for, and and that's why with episode with with, with Prada, Danny Prada, the second episode is we, we made that joke like Jesus don't come back, till, hey, don't come till I do, yeah, don't right. come till I'm I'm done, um, because marriage was such a big thing, yeah. and yeah, those those um the people talking to Joshua Harrison, and and one woman is like, yeah, I waited, and uh, we dated, and he was the one. And then we broke up and I'm still single. Yep. Like, okay. So that book happened in the 1990s. That whole entire um, curriculum, that mindset was like so quickly put into the Christian ethos and then accepted by everyone and like disseminated to everywhere. And now that woman is in 2018 trying to figure out what to do with something that was talked about in 1990. She's like, well, you guys told me that would work. Hey, it still hasn't. Um, And then one lady 
uh, was talking about, um, she said that in, in the book, there was no mention of, uh, of being single. There was this kind of poo-pooing of single people. Right. Where she goes, I'm still single. Yep. And I'm living a great life and I have a job, da 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 da, da. Yep. But the book looked down on single people because singleness yeah. was, oh, you didn't get married yet. And what's really interesting is when she said that, I'm like, oh man, there was that one dude who never got married and I always kind of felt sorry for him. Yep. Like that's really shitty of me. Yeah. There was a segment in the documentary where they asked the young 22-year-old Joshua Harris, like, mm-hmm. look right in the camera there, Josh, and tell him, tell everyone who's waiting for God what they should. And he goes, don't worry. When God's timing's right, he's going to bring you someone. It was kind of like, you're not going to be single forever. I promise. How crazy is that? It's the same thing. It just hit me. It's the same thing. Hey, Jesus is coming back. Don't worry about it. In God's timing, he'll be here. It'll be all right. It's like a delayed gratification. Yes. It's if waiting, you just hold out. Yes. It's waiting for the new heaven. Yeah. It's waiting for the rapture. Just wait. God's timing. Yeah. It's very similar. Just, yeah, I know it's, it's rough right now. What it causes me to do, I won't say everyone, what it causes me to do is look past what I'm currently doing to right. that person who is waiting for me. I'm missing all these opportunities in front of me and everything I'm doing is just to get to that end goal. Yeah. Which is very similar to what you said is really good. It's like, um, the evangelicals have made just this earth just kind of like they're passing by and their actual home is in heaven. Well, kind of causes you not to give a shit about what you do here because this place really doesn't matter. Yep. These Same relationships. Goes for your be, body. Yes. Your urges. Yes. I'm going to get married. So what I do between now and then just isn't as important as me just getting there. Right. Right. You're, you're missing everything in between. Right. And then marriage becomes a sort of magic destination. I feel like obligated to say, like, I feel very fortunate. Because I grew up in the purity culture and I feel fortunate that like one could say by the grace of God that like my relationship with Alyssa is like is really healthy and I'm so Mm -hmm. appreciative of our marriage and I'm so appreciative of like we made decisions to 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 not have sex. That was like a cognizant decision. And I'm appreciative. I'm grateful that we did it, right? Like, I'm not living, I'm not looking back in regret, you know? Mm-hmm. But I know that, like, we're lucky. Yeah. And I think part of what, what I think it's crucial for people who are, like, fortunate enough to have come through some sort of weird, manipulative, kind of shitty culture and then come through it on the other side stronger and better for it. Like, I think it's crucial to be able to say that and be grateful for that and mm-hmm. be like, yeah. this is not necessarily the norm. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone trick you into thinking the way my marriage experience has been is no, is the norm. It's it's not, there is no normal. Yeah. Um, and it breaks my heart to think that somehow this highlight reel life was packaged, marketed, peddled to mm-hmm. the masses, like a quarter of the country yeah. was taught yeah. that your marriage is going to be perfect. Yeah. You're never going to fight. You're going to have sex all the time. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to a Mark Driscoll, like real marriage thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> it was like a video series and he was like giving sex pointers mm-hmm. and one, and, he, and it was an opportunity for people to like text in questions. 
and he and one of the questions I kid you not was what do you do if uh, your uh, my wife just gave birth, but like I'm in the mood. Mm-hmm. He goes, I mean, listen, tell your wife like drink a Red Bull. You don't have to have vaginal sex, but like make it happen. Drink a Red Bull. Basically, suck it up, Buttercup, and and do do what is obligated of you. Yeah, yeah. And I remember at the time being like, ha ha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I was a fucking idiot, mm-hmm. you know. And but but I think that's so depictive of how like purity culture heavily benefited the men. Yeah, Heavily it, we made it up. It was yeah. our idea. Yeah, you know, that's a lot of. The more, That's a whole podcast. The more I'm analytical <laughs> about stuff, it's just white European dudes get the upper hand on everything. Oh, yeah. They won, dude. Yes. They won. Um, I remember that, that Mark Driscoll sermon series as well because he talked about how, and one of the questions was, what if I want sex and my partner doesn't, my spouse doesn't? And his, and his answer, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, his answer was, well, they need to understand that their duty is to serve you. Oh, so they're not in the mood then. They just need to have it. Get because, there. Because cause one day you won't be in the mood and did it in like, and at the time, Steph and I were dating. And what's funny, and this is going back to what I said, I think um, last podcast, or I've mentioned before. I'm realizing in the moments where I felt things weren't kosher, I was fucking spot on. So Steph and I, we're in that marriage series. We bought the book because everyone else did. Did we read it? No. Um, we had to go to premarital counseling because we wanted to get married to a specific church. And we had to go to it. Um, and we didn't follow any of the curriculum. So, like, her and I have both just say, hey, this this stuff kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, and just, I would say, in the last two to three years, how we come into our own, like, individually. And because of that, we are stronger together. And that's been outside the church. Which I thought before anything outside the church was horrible. But everything that we tried to do, all the books that we read were forced to read, they all sucked. They were all weird. And yeah, I would also say I count myself and my marriage with Steph one of the lucky ones based on just different comments I've heard to our Instagram or through the documentary. Yeah, I mean, we both are kind of messed up in our own way because we have our own experiences but still like that Mark Driscoll one stands out to me because like now I'm like I would never ever force myself on say hey Steph I'm in the mood I'm tired I want to go sleep I don't care okay but Mark Driscoll said that uh, you got (laughs) to give it up dude if I said it to my wife she would murder me where I stood she'd go okay and that's why I love her the second I take my dick off off (laughs) yeah the thing is I would take it out she'd take it off (laughs) She goes, you're in the mood? Whoosh, not anymore, boy. That's right. Like, that, to me, it's such, uh, such a dickish thing, dude. It's so... I, I think... Uh, it's, I, I guess what I, I, I feel insulting. like... It, it is insulting. And it, it's, it's reductive. And it just as much places... It sets you up for disappointment. Because you're like, I'm in the mood right now. Mm-hmm. I waited for years to have sex... Now you're my wife. I should be having, I should be getting laid right now. And that sort of curriculum that is like that sort of neo-reformed, hyper-masculine kind of theology structure made it such that a woman needs to submit to the authority of a man 
and an extension of the headship is actual physical sex, you know? And it's it, you look back on it now, you're like, what the fuck was I doing? I was into that, dude. I was all about it. And I guess what I want, I just hope that people can listen to this episode because I know for a fact, like, we're pl- every episode we play is fast and loose, dude. We oh, yeah, don't we sure. don't have any sort of like I, I I every time I listen to an episode, I look back and go, shit. I wish I had said this. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had said this. But I that's, wish I had th- that's the way it should. That's be the nature. Yes. Sure, because hopefully this means that we can revisit this later. Oh, yeah, and for be sure. More thorough. Yes. But I guess I hope that people can listen to this and go. I am not inherently flawed. Just like you said, I am. I am good. Mm-hmm. I am not broken. Yeah. I am not wrong because my marriage didn't work out. Like. I am not broken because I had sex before marriage. I am not broken because I was sexually assaulted. Mm. There are stories about girls who were assaulted, sexually assaulted, raped, right? And they, sorry, this should be a disclaimer. This is kind of a triggering story. So this is, this is triggering. But like there is a story on the Liturgist podcast about a girl who was raped and she went to church with a friend and the very first day that she went to the to, to youth group was a purity object lesson. And she immediately said, well, this immediately negates me from the kingdom of heaven. And it negates me from ever wanting to be loved by any sort of man who's worth lo- being loved by. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you extrapolate this out to people who come from the LGBTQ community who it's like, not only are you uh, wicked and sinful, you're also wicked and sinful because you have a yeah. love for the wrong person, yeah. you know? And so we are truly fortunate and privileged in that we have the least at stake mm-hmm. because as straight dudes who got married, like we have the, you know, there are so many people who were so devastated by that. And I hope it's tough because right on one hand, I want to be able to like laugh at like some shitty object lesson, yeah, like yeah, taking yeah. popcorn and pouring yeah. paint on the popcorn yeah. while at the same time also holding the heaviness yeah. with reverence Yeah, because there are people dude who have been like legit fucked up because yes. of that stuff. Yes. Um, and that's the line. What, what's, what's really comforting is um, I think it was yesterday we got, we, we, we got a, a DM and, and, and the person said they were just grateful. They just picked up our podcast somehow and, Grateful for what we've been saying and da 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 Cool. It just reinforced that because these conversations are awkward and hard doesn't mean we shouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. Um, because of nothing else, it's just causing other conversations to happen. Because I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to revisit this with our next guest next week. Or it'll come up again. I'm sure we're going to have Danny Prada back on and talk about something else. Um, and that's that's the thing about opening the door to this because just leave the door open let's let let's, let's just let everything out yes the good the bad the awkward the the mistakes the stuttering because then you can start to see things for what they are i think to go back to what we were saying before that's your loyal that's also mine i'm not gonna pin it on you but that's our loyal soldier that we carry with us because everything we used to put out had to be so pristine and ready and and at every angle perfect and so, I mean, if nothing else, this has been the complete opposite of that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying. We are very privileged to come from where we're coming from. But I hope with the privilege that I've been afforded by just life, that 
we can kind of say, hey, this is fucked. Yep. It's all this fucked. Is, this purity is specifically, this purity culture, this true love waits movement, this I kiss dating goodbye, albeit coming from good intentions, the overwhelming product of this was just very fucking harmful mm-hmm. to so many people. Um, if, yeah, I mean, we're doing it now. I'm saying, hey, we can do it. That's what we did for a couple of minutes. I, I, think, but, yeah. I, I feel like all I get of, what, All that to say, I get what you're coming from. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like all of Christianity, mm-hmm. just that you, you nailed it. It's like we said it, we packaged it perfectly, and now it's going to win. Yes. Whereas I think <laughs> what we don't too. have enough of is... This is an open conversation. Yeah. It's a dialogue Just let it go. that is constantly mm-hmm. happening. It's it's a loop that is not going to be closed. Yeah. You know, and and I hope that like we can I'm hoping that I can listen back to this episode in like 5 years and go, "Oh shit, I actually I I see what I was saying there, mm-hmm. Adrian, but I kind of missed the mark on this particular thing." Because that means that my faith is evolving, it's growing. Uh, Rob Bell says a faith in doubt Doubt on faith means that your faith has a pulse. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. that doubt and faith are not opposites, right? And so the idea, though, is that I'm hoping that all of these things we talk about is just kind of like there's ebbing and there's flowing and that we're not chiseling this into the stone, you know? Like, we're going to revisit this. We're going to talk about it more. Yeah, it's, it's just we've come very far in what we thought it just in the past couple years. And even more recently in, in, in last year. And, and yes, it's this constant growing and rethinking and just being able to hold all things in open hands and being completely fine with you being wrong. Yep. And that's not the point here. When you said we package it up and it's going to win. Yeah, that's not the point to win. Right. The point is to talk and to converse and to share my normal with your normal. And then mix it together and find out what the normal is between us and between that person over there. Um, so yeah, it's just it's we're definitely gonna come back around to it because whether we do it intentionally or not, it's gonna come up. Okay, so you want to get funny with it now that we've <laughs> talked about uh, sexual promiscuity and fornicating oh, outside of marriage, you dirty bird. Yeah. <laughs> Put your toothpaste okay, if, if back it, in your tube. <laughs> if your body is the temple, yeah. what is masturbation? Oh man! Body is the temple. Masturbating. My hand is a the dirty little night janitor <laughs> who has to clean out, polishing the knobs. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Stop polishing the knobs of your temple. Uh, we dude. were at a church camp, and one guy's like, "Yeah, one time I was I was in the shower, and uh, the dude came in, and knocked on the door, and said, hey, open up, uh, uh, polishing your bishop.' Like, what? oh no! <laughs> like, did he have chess pieces in there?" <laughs> Here's Bishop. Chop polishing my Bishop. Why Why is he going straight to the Catholic <laughs> stuff? That's fucking weird. That's fucking weird. Know. That's fucking gross. Yeah. You know what? I feel like this has been a good talk. It's yeah. been a long ass talk. How long, of a, not, how long of an episode has it been? It's, it's over an hour. It's good. Great. We're good. So we're right on par with how we've typically been doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Oh, it'll be 10 minutes. It's <laughs> tomorrow. We don't know how to have brief conversations. No, that's fine. Well, that's fine. It's all good, dude. We'll have enough time to listen to it. That's right. You yeah. got two weeks. Yes. I feel like now is a perfect time. For us to casually and seamlessly segue <laughs> from the world's heaviest topic yeah. into some random shit like a SoundCloud rap. Let's do it. Sip, smoke, read. Sip, smoke, sip, smoke, read. Hey. So you know we read that shit. Hey. Mama. We sip the finest party lit. Don't have sex. So you think 
I need a drink after that conversation. I really feel like I need a show. Drink. <laughs> so what you been into, Adrian? So I listened to, so I was listening back to the episode with Danny Brunges mm-hmm. and he made a verbal slip and he said that the beer he had was Game Changer and in actuality, the beer he had was Game, game time, time. Yes. And he said he mistook it because he watched Game Changer, which is a documentary. Gotcha. And so I took it upon myself to watch this documentary mm-hmm. and it's really good. Yeah. It's about the benefit of a plant-based diet mm-hmm. and how like <laughs> what's the fucking crit i'll bring it back to dicks so they so the myth that they were busting in the documentary was that meat is for men because mm-hmm. marketing was brilliant oh yeah for sure to make red meat equated with manliness so in order to bust the myth what they did was they had a bunch of college guys eat like a burger okay for dinner mm-hmm. and then they set them up to a rig where this sensor gets wrapped around the base of your penis and you go to sleep wearing this sensor. And then all throughout the night, they take metrics of how hard your erections are and how long they last. Okay. Okay, sure. So they do that. Yeah. Then the next night, they have them eat a plant-based dinner mm-hmm. and they measure it exactly the same. And like by like 120%, their erections were harder and lasted longer. Okay. So game I don't, changer. A game changer. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what I took away from that. But all I knew was I was I like. I have this rig. I was like, I don't I know how to put it on. So let's just say I spent $700 on a penis rig. And also, if you have any tofu, I'm going to go ahead and do that right now. I've been eating mungo beans for probably the past penis weekend. Penis rig, dude. That was just the only thing I, I took just imagine the movie Armageddon when Ben Affleck's working on the oil rig. It's just a huge penis rig. That's yeah, a penis no rig, man. That's great. So yeah, so that's the oh, man. that's the documentary I saw, and it was outstanding. It was it was great, man. <sighs> um, as far as other media that I am ingesting, mm-hmm. not really a whole lot. My day glow came in. It is Floozy Roasters, yes, which is sir. an Australia-based yeah. roast. Did you get Floozy yes, also? Yes, it's so good. So good. Yes. And this was a washed Bolivia. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what a Bolivia coffee profile would taste like. My first inclination is like, does it taste like Colombia, yeah. which is like maybe it's kind of chocolatey and kind of roasty and nutty. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's kind of like a mix between maybe like a washed Guatemala or like a natural Kenya. Like there's some sort of... Weird sort of floral after yeah. thing that happens. So good. Um, so I am almost done with Kevin's book, Bad Theology Kills. Um, super interested in getting it because of their story. Um, him, them being a queer pastor, internet pastor. Um, and so I read the book in just hopes of understanding their perspective on what they went through in Christianity. The book delivered on that and has done so much more. Cool. It's tackling some really deep theological, um, like foundations, like columns of the faith and doing so lovingly addressing them the way they were introduced to them, but also 
just like, no, nah, that's wrong. This is what this is what's Damn. true. It's been amazing. And um also played through a game uh called The Outer Wilds. Um so at the end of every year, I love to just find out everyone's top movies and top video games and top books and see if I can somehow, if I can afford to, get my hands on them and experience them, read them, watch them. So this game was made by a very small studio in California, and um, it was a sum of all these ideas they had while they were in college, building like, they're just doing like computer science stuff. And the game is beautiful to the point I finished it and I almost cried. Just Damn. the it's an adventure game. There's no shooting. Um, you play as like a small alien race, and you have to explore space. You get in a space shuttle, and you take off. And one clue leads to another clue, leads to another clue, and you're hopping from planet to planet. There's no one to fight. Um, the music is is amazing, and the way the music comes together at the end is fucking beautiful. Hell yeah! It tackles like quantum physics, but like great. Yeah, but it's. It talks about an alien race. If you if you intend to play the game, just shut the podcast off because I want to ruin it. <laughs> this is your disclaimer. But if uh, if not, so the catch is the universe ends every 22 minutes. Hmm. And so you, you leave your planet and you go in search of these clues, but at 22 minutes, the sun goes solar and explodes. You die, and because of something that these other aliens did, they captured your memory, and you just relive the 22 minutes again, and you can do other things. That's cool. So you have... 22 minute in intervals we were trying to solve this mystery of the universe and why this other alien race came and was looking for the cause of the universe cool it's fucking beautiful you Imagine. meet these little friends along the way um, they each have different instruments they play um, and at the end they all come together on a campfire and you realize the song they were playing on separate planets was all the same song Hell yeah. oh dude it's, it was like that's, talking about it gives me goosebumps that's great um, so reminds me of that movie what's that movie with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal where he gets oh, transported back the source onto code. Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> I pulled that on my ass. That's kind of the energy. Nice. Yes. Well done. Um, but it's really, really good. Uh, and there's like a little making of. It was really cool to see that it was a very small studio. The game's like 20 bucks. Uh, you can get it on the PC, Xbox, and PS4. Definitely, if you have any of those systems, definitely just jump into it. It's uh, really very beautiful. It's, it's rare for me to watch a movie or read a book or play a video game even more so that evokes so much emotion and that oh man it's so so i wish i could play it again i wish i could race my mind will smith mib minor nice. racer thing and just play it again yeah um and smoking acid cigars acid cigars are made by drew estates and they have like floral whatever herbs and spices in them they're really tasty they came out with a new one um that's a green wrapper but it's like their original kubo kubo one but a yeah. green wrapper um Stupid. Great. That's stupid. Dude, I feel like stupid, stupid good. I have been sick. I'm just now getting sick yeah. after a month. Okay. Yeah. So like I legit like get acute bronchitis mm -hmm. and then I feel like it's aggravated by smoking a lot mm -hmm. because like it's obviously it's like bad for your lungs. Yeah. And so like there's a little part of me that's like, am I never gonna smoke like I'm afraid to have a cigar I'm because good, of the fear. Yeah, well, no, I'm not gonna buy one <laughs> to give to you. I'm I like, have it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, man, I, I, I miss it. There's a part of me that's like, don't do it though, for the love Whatever, of all dude. things. Holy. It's so good. You can smoke it for the both of us. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean that that's pretty much it. That that game, the game and the book, I pretty much taken up all my free time. Um. I'm trying to think of anything else. The uh, the Oscars are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see the movie Parasite. Is it scary? No. 
Oh. Um, Sounds like it would be scary. I, th- I thought so, too. And the director was the guy who made Snowpiercer. Oh, I love Snowpiercer. So it's it's very hard to categorize because it's funny. The The most I want to give away, it's just about a poor family in South Korea. That's the most I'll say. Cool. It's an amazing movie. My wife stayed awake the whole entire time and, like, loved, loved it. Got it. Um, Yeah, and it won four Oscars. Yeah, is it? it so obviously it's not probably nothing like Snowpiercer, but Snowpiercer is a combination of kind of suspense and kind of like thought piece, like a think piece and like kind of a social So if you want to, you can look into Parasite because there are definitely some parallels between the poor and the rich. Got it. And the actual physical locations of both those types of people. Cool. They do a really good job of that. There is some suspense. There's a point in the movie, which if you watch it, if you've already watched it, you know exactly what scene I'm talking about, where it takes a hard turn. And it's like, is this a different movie? Because you start getting like the hair on your neck standing up. It's not scary. It's like Hitchcock thriller. Like, sure. oh my, what? Oh, oh my God. Okay, great. Um, oh so yeah, that's, it's a very, very good movie. I feel like Alyssa's going to want to watch it. And yeah, you should. Like, it's good. Oh, it's not going to scare you. You're fine. Okay, you're great. Good. Cause I, I hate being scared. No, it, it's definitely not jump scare saw cool. stuff. Also talking about saw Chris rock is yeah. coming out in the new saw movie. Like a saw prequel or something. It's not called saw. It's called something. I don't know, but that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't probably see that, but I, um, yeah. I feel like we should also mention mm-hmm. that we had a giveaway. Oh, yes. Which is kind of cool. Cause yes. It's kind of about a read theme. Yes. So we decided that at the 1,000 follower mark, mm-hmm. it would just be fun to do something yeah. fun. And so we decided to do, for those who don't know, is we decided to do a giveaway contest mm-hmm. with, uh, like, you picked a book and I picked a yes. book. And the book I picked was The Alchemist, which is near and dear to both of our hearts. Yes. And I just found, like, a super cool edition of that mm-hmm. book. Um, and the book you picked was uh, comedy sex God by good old Pete Holmes. Yep. Which anytime I don't know what to, um, listen to, I'll just throw the audiobook so back on good. and I'll just pick Steph finished it in two days. It's so good. Super easy read. Yeah. And so we basically just had the contest and we finished it. And the winner was Kyla Foots, who has, um, kind of been with us since really, really yeah, early on. Yeah. We've never actually met this person, but she's been really great yeah. and really encouraging and cool. Um, so yeah, so Kyla, if you're listening to this, we should be mailing it out to you. Shortly. If you're listening to this, you should already have the book. If you, <laughs> if you don't, the book, sorry. If you don't, please message us. Message you us should already have the book. Because we have to make a call. <laughs> yes. We have to check a tracking number. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, sweet man. Cool, man. That was a really good episode. It was a good episode. And thank you guys so much for listening to it. Do you want to talk about where people can track us? And DM? Yeah, so if you're on Instagram, we're Dirty Rotten Church Kids. If you're on Twitter, we're Dirty Rotten CK. We do have a Facebook page. It just doesn't do anything. People are liking it. For some we have reason. a Facebook page? Yeah, I think I, I started it by accident. I didn't know that. Um, there's nothing on there. Great. Um, yeah, you can send us an email, dirtyrottenck. If you feel like sending an email, that's cool. At yeah. gmail.com. At gmail. It's sorry. not just dirt. Just type dirtyrottenck and it will get to us. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the website? It's just uh, <laughs> Gmail. No. It's Creed Thoughts, www.creedthoughts.blogspot.gov slash Creed Thoughts. Doc. Word doc. Yeah, so you can find us at those places, interact with us. Um, if you're new to the podcast game, mm-hmm. go ahead and subscribe to it. If you would give us a rating and yes. a review, that's yes. actually super helpful mm-hmm. so that other folks can check out the stuff. Yeah, that's about it. That's it, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Dirty Rotten Church Kids. And remember, it's, it's all, all gonna, gonna be okay. okay.
A huge thanks to the questions you all sent our way. Definitely looking forward to digging into more of those soon. We are also very grateful to the Bad Apples that sent us their story of how the purity culture they encountered affected them. All of our stories are unique but we hope that the handful we shared today make you feel that you aren't alone in whatever you're going through. We are all in this together. Why waste time say lot word, when few word do trick.